Our first reading today will be out of Matthew 6, uh, verses 25 through 34. It's on page 811 on the Red Pew Bible. Hear the word of the Lord. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day it is own trouble. The word of the Lord. Next one's going to be in Philippians 4, <clears throat> chapter 4, 4, verses through 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understandings, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any of excellence and there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. This is the very word of God. Thanks be to God. So for those of you that don't know me, my name is Kristen Watson, and I work here as the Director of Family Ministries, and I'd like to share just a moment uh, one of my testimonies on worry. Just breathe. Just breathe. Breathe. So maybe it's just me, but sometimes, okay, oftentimes... I allow myself to worry. I worry about things too much. See, I have this very active brain. It's very busy. Some like to call me and say that I have like ADD, which I probably do, but I'm a squirrel. No, but <laughs> my brain is constantly just thinking and thinking and thinking. I allow myself to think, to dwell, to worry about things that are quite frankly out of my control. And I wonder if that's part of the problem that I'm trying to control. 
I don't know. But what I do know is that at one point in my life, I had allowed myself to become overwhelmed with worry. I wasn't giving it to God. See, First Peter tells us to cast our anxieties on him because he cares for you. I know that. So here I am. I'm walking down the aisle in Walmart, minding my own business, getting groceries for my family, when I experienced my first attack. All of a sudden, my heart felt as if it was beating outside of my chest. It was beating hard. It was beating fast. And I couldn't catch my breath. My lips began to go numb. My palms were sweating. And my vision began to tunnel like I was about to pass out. I felt like I was about to die. I thought I was about to die. I was having a panic attack. Don't miss the word attack. See, it came when I least expected it. And they still do. If I was about to board a roller coaster, and I love roller coasters, <laughs> if I was about to board a roller coaster and I was feeling these feelings, if they started happening, I would understand why. It would make sense. I'm getting ready to do something thrilling, maybe dangerous, and my body would be saying, warning. See, I was walking down the aisle at Walmart. What I didn't realize is that I was allowing all of that worry, all that anxiety to build up to me, and my body was saying, warning. I wasn't giving it to God, and I wasn't allowing him to help me through my struggles. They were my anxious thoughts. They were my worries. And I was going to hold tight to them, because I could control them. But I couldn't. And you can't either. As long as we carry worries around with us, we risk being consumed by them, overwhelmed, and ultimately under attack. This was a difficult time in my life. These attacks would happen so often that I ended up quitting my job and ended up being scared to leave my house. I was scared when the next one would happen. What if I was driving? What if my kids were with me? I mean, do you see what was happening? I became consumed with the what-ifs and began hiding. I was hiding in my pit of despair, and it was a really dark place. As I think back to that time, I'm reminded of Psalm 139. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, and you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you, you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. Do you hear that? He was there with me. I wasn't alone. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. And if I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the night become night around me, Even the darkness will not 
be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. See, even in my darkest moment, he was there. He was calling out to me. And God used this time to draw me closer to him. For me, not to hide from the world, which I wanted to do, but to hide in his love so that I can be in the world. Hide, we just sang it. Hide me in your love. Bring me to my knees. He brought me to my knees. <laughs> and I began praying, God, I need you. I cannot do this alone. I can't handle this alone. Forgive me for trying. And he reveals to me through my friends, through my family, through my pastor, through books, through his word. There's so many different avenues, ways to overcome these attacks, what to do when they would happen. Because occasionally, they happen still. So when I experience attack, I stop immediately what I'm doing. Whether I'm driving or if I'm in the middle of the store, I stop safely in a safe place and I close my eyes and I concentrate on my breathing. And I whisper prayers to him in my heart. Sometimes out loud. Sometimes I say, Jesus, help me. I need you. And I listen. I listen for his voice as he gently reassures me, Kristen, I've got you. You're not alone. This will pass. It always does. I'm right here. Just breathe. Breathe. My sweet brothers and sisters, if you are experiencing attacks, you need to understand the source and its worry. I mean, if you haven't experienced an attack, that's wonderful. Praise God. But take my testimony to heart. Cast your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Give it to God. He loves you and he cares for you. Let him carry your worries. Let him carry your burdens because he is all we need. Our memory verse today, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understandings, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let me pray for us. Father God. Thank you. Thank you that you do know us and that we're not alone. I pray right now that you would search, search us, that you would know our hearts, that you would, you would test us and know our anxious thoughts. And Father, if there's any offensive way in me or in any of us, I pray that you would just reveal that and lead us in your way, your way, everlasting. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thank you so much, Kristen. Well, thank you, all of you, for um, risking letting God use your lives, the, the good things, and we rejoice in that, but also the challenging th things as well. Because if God is faithful to you in the midst of those challenges, and you have faced some tremendous challenges, as you um, experience God's faithfulness, it gives us hope. It gives us trust as well. 
Would you open your worship outline for just a second, or if you have your Bible, your finger in that Bible, the verse in Philippians, at the bottom of the page is the verse that Kristen just read. Would you say that one more time with us? Um, Philippians 4, 6 through 7, would you say that with me? Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Oh, thank you so much. So what is this thing that Jesus is speaking to? You remember that we've been working our way through the Sermon on the Mount, and he's been powerfully... Uh, challenging the narratives of our day, right? He's been saying to us, you have heard it said this, but I say to you that. In fact, this is kind of one of the first weeks that we haven't seen that formula at least, at least written at the beginning of our passage. But it's implicit in the message, isn't it? Do you remember Pastor Bill last week challenged us? What is it that you're worshiping? You cannot worship God and mammon or things or money at the same time. And and the next line then this week is, therefore, don't be anxious about your life. Easy to write, right? Easy to write, but um, hard for us to, to experience. So I'm so grateful that Jesus has given us himself today. He's given us himself to walk us through this, to both try and understand what's happening to us. Thank you so much for opening our minds, especially to the anxiety side of this thing, but, but especially then to find a path through it. Because if you're not in a situation that's challenging you to not worry, then it's a good chance you will be in one sometime in the future. What is this worry that he's inviting us not to do? It's, I, I love language, and I always have to apologize to you, but it's intriguing to me to see the history of a word in languages that have used that word. And, and it's interesting that the old English word for worry literally means to choke or to strangle, right? Do you remember when Jesus said, don't be like that, that soil that's crowded out with weeds? Why? Because those weeds or those worries... Choke out the Word of God in the midst of it. Worry chokes and strangles the, 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 the ways of God in our lives. To worry, what is it, literally? Uh, many words describe it in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, but the predominant word that's used here in this passage and in Philippians is this, is this word which means to recycle over and over in your mind that which, over which you have no control, right? To recycle something in your mind that you can't control anyway, right? And Kristen brought up this issue. Well, well, does it, this word anxiety and worry, are they interchangeable? I've suggested to you before, but they are related, but probably not interchangeable. And I'm really hanging myself out on a limb here. But, but there is a difference between worry and anxiety. And I think that the difference is that anxiety is something you feel and worry is something that you do, right? 
Anxiety is something that you feel and worry is something that you do. That's why oftentimes they're interchangeable. But note the connection between them here. If you insist on worrying about things over which you have no control, then sooner or later you're going to experience what many of us, if not all of us, have experienced. And that is this elevated sense of anxiety. And the real danger is that when the issue goes away like the issue of a new job or a, or a temporary financial provision, when God answers that, if we have become habitually worrying about things, our anxiety level stays the same. And even though the problem has gone away, we find ourselves being anxious and struggling. So this is important today, that we hear Jesus' words, that we follow his solutions for our struggle with worry and anxiety. Worry has an object. Anxiety doesn't. Both are challenges to what God is doing in our life. But what is the problem with it? I mean, it's almost, a, it's almost a national sport, isn't it, in the United States to worry about things, right? There's a, there's a famous story um, about worry. Uh, it goes like this. One morning, death was walking into a city when a man stopped Deaf and asked him what he was doing. Deaf answered, I'm going into the city to kill 10,000 people. The man replied, that's terrible that you would kill 10,000 people. And Deaf responded, taking people when their time has come is my job. Today I have to get my 10,000. Sorry for the morbid story here, but follow me for a second. Later, as Deaf was leaving the city, a man met him. Again, the same man. He was furious. He said, you told me this morning you were going to take 10,000, but 70,000 people died today. And death answered, don't get mad at me. I only took 10,000. Worry killed the rest. Worry kills. Worry has an uncanny knack for killing. Even, even 100 years ago, Robert Frost, 150 years ago, Robert Frost wrote, the reason why worry kills more people than work is because more people worry than work. Worry has become a national pastime. And, and so much so that it's become ingrained in our personalities. Honestly, most of us would not want to worry. Most of us would not want to experience this. And yet we do. So we have to ask ourselves, God, what words can you speak into our situation to grace us with a way of escape. Your word says, in every temptation, every trial, I'll provide a way of escape. What can we do? To, to escape it, we have to understand it. We have to understand what the problem is with worry. And I'm going to just give you a couple of suggestions to get your thought processes started. Many of you have already been wrestling with this all this last week. You've been challenged to think about what, what you're worrying about and to entrust them to the Lord in prayer. But the problem with worry is that worry is in itself unreasonable. Did you hear that in Philippians? Let your reasonableness be clear to all. And worry is unreasonable. To worry about something that you cannot change is useless, right? It's foolishness. I, I can't validate them, but I've seen over and over again that in studies that were done about things that people worried about, 85% of the things that people were worrying about never happened. And another 9% of things were things that they couldn't have changed the outcome anyway. Do you see what's happening here? 
We are borrowing trouble. We are borrowing pain. We are borrowing anxiety for things that that we can't affect anyway. So every time you, you mull over something in your mind, every time you review it in your mind, you're in danger of letting it become bigger. And worry begins to be amplified in our lives and all of a sudden we find ourselves in stressful situations. Worry is unreasonable, but God's Word says that it's also unnatural. You weren't born a worrier. You were not born a worrier. You were created in God's image and God doesn't worry, right? Worry is a learned response to life and that sounds like terrible news to us, except for that that's true. If worry is a learned response, then unworry can become a learned response as well. Worry can be unlearned. And God is inviting you to sit at His feet and to learn another way of doing life that doesn't include bearing a burden you were never meant to carry. Worry is not just unreasonable or unnatural, it's also unhelpful, right? It doesn't work. It doesn't change the past, right? It cannot control the future. It only makes you miserable for today, right? It only ruins today. Worrying about a problem never solves the problem. I have to stop for a second and say, you've got to understand that in your book, as you read, that worry is not the same as concern. Concern is a natural response to a danger. And when you see that, to respond to that. No, worry is to take that same danger and go over and over and over again in your mind. It's unhelpful. Praise God, it is also unnecessary. Why? Because God has promised to take care of you if you will trust Him with the details of your life. Do you remember when you were a child and you asked, I I pray this was true for you, that you asked uh, your caretaker for provision, maybe lunch money, so that you wouldn't have to worry about it. And, and, and it was given to you. Someone else took responsibility. That's, that's God in your life right now. God wants to take responsibility for your life. How did you put it? Is it First Peter 5-7? Um, cast your cares on Him. For He cares for you. And here's the hard word, beloved. Worry is unbelief, right? You cannot, I'm stumbling even as I say this because I worry, but, but you cannot say, God, I know that you have this and, and worry. There's no judgment or condemnation in that. My gentle invitation to you is to recognize what worry is. It's fear, right? It's a function of fear, not of faith. So you can see where we're going to go when we start to look for a solution to this. We're going to try and put our weight down on what God says is true, on on what God speaks into our lives rather than in what we uh, perceive ourselves. How do we we break this habit? Jesus goes to extensive lengths right here to, to help us be freed from worry. And then it's ugly stepsister here of, of anxiety. Note that, that when we begin to address this, how do we stop doing this? That that's kind of the wrong question to ask. You can't just stop doing something, right? And we've tried that before. I'm, I'm going to stop lust. I'm going to stop lying. Almost every point in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, we cannot just stop doing it. Something different has to happen. And, and what different that needs to happen is that we replace 
the opportunity for worry with something else, right? We replace that behavior with something else instead, trusting that God is going to meet us in that situation. For some of us, we need to stop the thought processes that we have going on. That's what Kristen was helping us understand how to do. I'm going to do this differently. For others of us, we have to stop the scripts that have led us to this place. And I got my world rocked by James Bryan Smith's interpretation of that, that worry is, an extent, in, in a sense, an expression of control. We're trying to control, and it can get so twisted. Do you remember what he said? That, that we even think that by our worrying, we're solving something, right? We're solving something. We're controlling it. You can't. You can't do this unless you change those fundamental narratives of your life. Worry does not accomplish anything. But to say, Pastor Dave, you want me to stop worrying? I cannot do that. I understand. I can't do it either. Don't stop worrying then. I know this is radical. Replace it with something instead. Start trusting, right? Start trusting God instead. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, very familiar verse to many of us, is trust in the Lord with all your heart, right? Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. Substitute trust in those situations where you find yourself worrying about something. So how do we do that? First, anchor yourself in two powerful truths from this passage Jesus, Jesus talks about it. He gives us an example. You see the birds of the air, right? They neither toil nor spin, yet your Heavenly Father provides for their needs, right? Um, it doesn't mean that they don't work. They work very hard. All the birds in my neighborhood are building nests in my barbecue, right? It's a field day down there. But um, they're working really hard, but what they're not doing is worrying, right? And their Heavenly Father is providing for their needs, right? So the question that Jesus asked, and it, it, it's a question we have to answer, are you not more valuable than they, right? And this is hard for some of us who are animal lovers, right? Um, that, you know, wait, wait, are you saying that, that humans are more important than, than birds of the air? I'm saying birds of the air are very important to God. But you are much more important. You are much more precious him why. Uh, even our teenagers in the Sunday school class got this. Because you were created in his image. Because you're his plan A. You're the revelation of God to a world. And if you're consumed by worry, then you're not going to be able to love in the way that the world desperately needs. You're not going to be able to live in the way that the world needs someone to live. So anchor yourselves in these powerful truths. You are precious to God. Matthew 6.26 but also, when he tells the story of the, the flowers of the field, uh, he, he says, you have real needs. I know you do. And he, he speaks to three of them, right, that were especially prevalent in that culture at that time. Something to drink, something to eat, something to wear. Um, we're a little more sophisticated. Oftentimes, we don't struggle with those things. All we do is move ourselves up the scale and worry about other things. But God, Jesus says, already knows your needs. He already knows your needs. Now, now, implicit in this is the fact that they haven't been met yet. God knows your needs and has not met all of them yet. Right? He's got you on a journey. He's asking you to trust Him in the midst of this. 
the provision wasn't that you'll never have any need. No, as part of God's molding you into the image of His Son, part of God's um, completion of this beautiful task of creating you in His image is helping you to navigate when you don't have what you think that you need. Helping you to navigate the situations where you don't have all your provisions. So anchor yourself in these truths. You are precious to God and God already knows your needs. Then he invites us to to restructure our priorities. To think about things differently. Maybe, just maybe, my job is not the most important thing on the earth. Maybe, just maybe, my my food on my table. This sounds so, so counterintuitive, but the food on my table is not the most important thing. And words are coming to my mind even as I say that. Uh, every word that comes out of the mouth of God is more important than food, Jesus had said, right? So he invites us to restructure our priorities and to seek first the kingdom and the king, right? Seek first the reign of God in your life and the king himself. Because if, if the king is present, then you have no needs. If, if God is reigning over your life, even when it seems like everything's been turned upside down, then His provision for you will be enough. Seek first the kingdom of God in right relationship with Him and others. And all these things, He said, food, shelter, clothing, jobs, um, exercise of gifts, all these things will be added to you. What does that look like as we begin to seek the kingdom. Give me something a little more practical. Pastor Dave, I know that verse, but what does it look like? Well, it means that, as we saw in Philippians, that in all circumstances, good and bad, you talk to God. You pray, right? Pray in all circumstances. Did you hear that? As Sean Lee read it for you. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. Not some things, not most things. In everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Right? Pray. Talk to God. Let Him know your heart. Listen for His voice as He speaks back to you. He sings over you in response. Pray in all circumstances, but also immerse yourself in the nature and character of God. Those, those words are familiar to you because uh, of the Great Commission, right? Immersing them in the nature and character of God and teaching them to obey from the Great Commission, right? But Isaiah, excuse me, God through Isaiah made an incredible promise to you and that was this, that He will keep you in perfect peace when your mind is fixed, is stayed on Him because you trust in Him, right? So, so pray in all circumstances, but immerse yourself in the nature and character of God through His Word. Let His Word jump off the page to you. So many times, so many times I'm in a, a, just a daily devotion and it's like God was speaking exactly to me. I said, God, did you write that whole, that whole passage just for me? Let his words speak to you. But you've got to immerse yourself in it for that to happen. Right? Practice peace by trusting God in the small things. The things that we've been sharing today are not small things. I am not, I'm not diminishing them at all. But the trick is not to wait for the big things to hit and then to try and practice peace, right? Um, 
the, the trick is to trust Him in the very small things. You did. You did. By coming here this morning. The very simple little discipline, but by being together with other followers of Jesus, by responding to the Word's invitation to do that, you took a small step. I'm going to believe and trust that God is going to honor you for that. But there's a bunch of small steps. How about the rest of the afternoon? How about we take advantage of the, part, the, the fact that we've already dedicated um, the first part of this Lord's Day to Him? Let's dedicate the rest of it to Him. And let's call it, let's call it Sabbath. And let's refuse to pick up the worries of tomorrow morning, of Monday morning today, and instead just let Him love us today. Right? Let's, let's, let's be faithful in these small things. Let's be faithful in practicing the opposite of worry. In practicing contentment. Paul, in that amazing book of Philippians, uh, um, we quoted uh, a, a significant portion of it just a moment ago, but just a couple of verses later, he says this, I've learned, he said, to be content in, in whatever situation I find myself. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret to facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Do you see what he's saying? I have, I've discovered a way of dealing with the full spectrum of the human experience. What is that way? It's a way that's so familiar that many of you could say it with me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? It's not about me. It's about Jesus in me. And there's no circumstance, there's no situation that you'll face with Christ in you that together you will not be able to overcome. Why? Because He's already won the victory. I have seen the back of the book and we win. We win when Christ is at the center of it. Practice contentment. This isn't mine, Jesus. This is yours. Let's face it together. Let's face it together. Tucked in those verses that we read was a very important step. We've highlighted it many times. Once a year we highlight it, and it's the, it's the importance of giving thanks. Give thanks for what you already have. Don't think about what you don't have. Don't think about the problems that are to come. Think about the blessings that have already happened and search for them. Discipline yourself to identify them. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Even even giving thanks for things that look like trials right now. Can you thank God for the trial that He has brought you right now, knowing that He will never leave you or forsake you in the midst of it, knowing that when you come out the other side, there's going to be glorious resurrection. Now, trust God. Give thanks for the things that you have. And the last sweet, sweet little imitation is, is this idea that don't borrow trouble. Don't borrow trouble. That's what worry is doing, right? It's borrowing it from the future. And if I borrow tomorrow's struggles for today, then I just doubled the concerns of today. And today's got enough challenges. Amen? I don't need to borrow tomorrow's or the next day's. I even find myself looking 10, 15 years out and borrowing. That's a lot of weight. That's a lot of weight. This is a Lord's day. Rest in His provision for you. Be grateful.
for the good things that He has given you, including the precious souls who are in the room with you today. Be grateful for those things. Refuse to pick up tomorrow's burden. I love the way, I think it was James Rand Smith put it, God did not give you grace for tomorrow's struggle. That sounded a little radical, didn't it? He just gave you grace for today's struggles, right? Don't go solo. Every time followers of Jesus go solo, they get creamed. Every time they wait and go and walk it with Jesus or walk it with another follower of Jesus. God's kingdom advances. Let his kingdom advance. Let let his reign be known in this world today through us. Even if it's only the hundred people or so in this room, even if it's only us, let him kingdom advance today through us. Would you pray with me? I feel so silly, God, because no matter what I think or what I say, the reality is that you are reigning. You are king and you are Lord over our circumstances and you already know the outcome. You're already in the future. But Jesus, in your wisdom, you just gave us grace for this day to trust that the one who created us, who formed us, who died for us, who rose again for us, the one who lives in us, is sufficient for us and He reigns over us. So God, I just ask You to give us grace for this moment. Even as we, even as we worship You, would You gently remind us of those worries which we are continuing to cling to. God, if You would grace us, even for this Lord's Day, let us lay them down. Let us trust that your provision is enough. All we need, Jesus, is you. Reign forever, would you? Oh God, you.